Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast which is, of course, a football podcast. I'm Scott Pianowski, your co-host today. It is Thursday, July 7th. Going to be talking football, Baker Mayfield, secret lists of players we don't want to draft. And, of course, what you came here for, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're getting our team previews kicked off with that. Let me introduce my good friend, my co-host, and a all-about man of fantasy excellence, Mr. Dalton Del Don. Aloha. Hey, p how's it going, man? Good to talk to you. It's been a while since we potted. Um, heard you're dealing with some puppy troubles, but uh, otherwise, hope you're doing well. Yep. Uh, Teddy, terrible Teddy. Um, you know, ter- Teddy ball game has been a handful. Um, anybody who's got puppy training tips, send them along. Um, I'm going to have a babysitter for him this weekend so I can uh, hang out with our our boss, Jason Kabaka, and play a little golf. And we had to give this woman uh, who's like a friend of the family a top 10 list, top 10 Teddy list of things she needs to know. And, that, and then even then we're adding to it, you know, this. So um, as producer John Gennaro knows, you know, even when you when I'm asked to do a top 10 list, it ends up being like 15 deep. We'll try not to do that today with our red light players. But let's get into it, man. We got some breaking or semi breaking news. It's, it's not breaking anymore, but we had some hot news this week. We knew Baker Mayfield and Cleveland were headed for a divorce and they finalized that. Baker Mayfield traded very inexpensively to the Carolina Panthers, who, of course, had a, a very messy quarterback room. Nobody wants to watch Sam Darnold play. You know, Matt Corral, who knows what his career shape will be, but he's a rookie. Didn't want to have high expectations on him. So Mayfield's out of Cleveland. He's into Carolina. You would think he would pretty quickly assume that starting gig. And, you know, I guess this is more of a, a comment on what, what's the collateral effect. Is the offense better? Does it make us like McCaffrey more? DJ Moore is somebody who's always been a good player, but maybe just a little bit fantasy disappointing because he's been weighed down by the quarterback play. Uh, what are your initial takeaways of Baker Mayfield heading to Carolina? I guess a clear upgrade for Carolina. Darnold's been one of the worst QBs since he entered the league. Uh, the Brown, A couple ways to look at this. And one, the, the Browns were averaging the six most points in the league last year before Mayfield separated his shoulder. Um, you look at all the YPA numbers, it's just undeniably a, an upgrade. But part of it, it's not a perfect comparison. He was dealing with a lot of play action, and Carolina has been a, a tough you know, situation to be in as he's going to learn himself. I mean, he's going to have a tougher offensive line and all that. But I think just clearly it's an upgrade over Darnold, and therefore I move DJ Moore from the late teens up to number 12. I definitely think it helps him. I feel far more confident in drafting him. And then I've seen others say that now this move McCaffrey uh, to their uh, first overall pick, I'm guessing you don't agree because you're 
definitely one of the more concerned as far as durability guys in the industry. I, I left Taylor there. I mean, Jonathan Taylor has, has, hasn't missed a practice dating back to uh, his high school days. So to call him safer would be an understatement. But I get it. The quarterback there also helps McCaffrey and, and, and puts him in definitely uh, as a possibility of the number one pick. And conversely, this really hurts Seattle and, and the DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, those those uh, managers hoping that, that Mayfield would go there. But now they're, they're stuck with the Geno Smith and Locke. So uh, hurts the Seattle people, helps Carolina. And boy, uh, you know, Cleveland, I guess just if Watson gets suspended, it's a, it's a definite downgrade uh, looking at Jacoby Brissett. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned Seattle because they were, even though they kind of downplayed their interest and maybe they were hoping to get Mayfield if he, he was caught and not have to give up anything, although Carolina didn't give up a lot. But man, uh, it's it's hard to draft DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett with any confidence. Although I've said this before on different podcasts we've done, and I'll probably keep saying it all summer, and I don't know how much drafting you've done, but I never remember a season that got uglier in a draft. I, I, I'm in the second round and being like, oh my God, I don't like anybody. Third round, oh my God, I don't like it. Usually, it used to be like the fourth, fifth, sixth round where you start dipping into waters where you're like, well, my hit rate might not be very high here. I feel like you get uncomfortable in drafts really early this season. But at least Mayfield, you know, at least we can feel better. We can tell ourselves a more positive story. There's more plausible upside with the Carolina offense. I would not take McCaffrey number one overall. I think that's actually kind of a little bit silly given how safe Taylor appears to be. And of course, he has a monster upside as well. But at least you can tell yourself a, you know, if you took McCaffrey at two, three or four, I'm not sure that I'm ready to do that. I'm, I'm still kind of, my rankings are all work in progress. You know, I'm, I'm doing best ball drafts right now and trying to figure out how I feel. A lot of times industry people will tell you, you work draft to list as opposed to list to draft. You know, you go in and you get your feet dirty and your hands dirty, I should say, you get your feet wet. And then you think, okay, this is how I felt during the draft. This should be better reflected in my rankings. I'm kind of in that mode right now. I would like to think that DJ Moore could maybe have that touchdown boom that we haven't seen yet. And the thing with with Baker Mayfield, I think a lot of people have made this point. Greg Rosenthal, um, friend of the show and, and you know, a great NFL .com writer, obviously has a fantasy background when he was with Roto World. He was one person who pointed this out, but other people made the point as well. Baker Mayfield's not a bum. I mean, he was the number one overall pick and he was a Heisman Trophy winner. He was on you know, every other commercial it felt like for the last couple of years. But last year he got hurt. As you said, he was playing really well before the injury and the offense was kind of humming along. Things collapsed. I know it was the non-throwing shoulder. I got to the point where I thought the Browns were screwing up playing a hurt Baker Mayfield when a healthy Case Keenum might have been better off for them. And Mayfield had the weight of Cleveland. Now, I know this is like this at every city, that the quarterback is the face of any franchise. But whenever Cleveland, things didn't go right, it was Baker Mayfield's fault. I, I think he's getting out of here. He's getting a, a change of scenery at a perfect time. And I think he has a chance he can get his career back on track. Is he going to be like an MVP candidate? No. Pro Bowler? Probably not. You know, maybe the commercials will fade away. Although I actually think he's not bad in the, in the role of a, of a pitchman, you know, because he seems to have a little bit of comedic timing and stuff like that. But I think it's important to remember that just because Baker Mayfield may not fit the suit of a number one overall pick or a Heisman Trophy winner, or you know, maybe he wasn't the player that we might have expected three or four years ago, it's still easy for me to imagine him being at least a league average quarterback, perhaps a little bit better. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, and I'll also defend him that he's had to play in poor weather conditions in Cleveland. Some of the wind is just with a couple of those weeks you just throw completely out. He's had to face Steelers and Ravens defenses, 25% of his schedule as well. So yeah, he's not going, he's going to go in a tough situation again, to be clear, in Carolina. But absolutely, Baker Mayfield is a league average quarterback, which is a gigantic upgrade from what Carolina has gotten the last few years. Yeah, nobody wants to watch any more Sam Darnold. I'll admit, look, I, I was hoping, I told myself a story that he got away from Adam Gase last year. Darnold did. He had familiarity with Robbie Anderson. I thought maybe Carolina could be an interesting offense. And for a few weeks that that held up, that Darnold was running. He was running in all those scores. Right, yeah, he had yeah. like five rushing touchdowns. One week, early, one week he was the yeah. PFF number one quarterback too, which I, I still want to get yeah. inside that mousetrap and figure out exactly how that happened. But um, I love the PFF guys, but you know, sometimes I wonder if something like that should be a trigger that you need to fix something. But I'm looking forward to Baker Mayfield. I, look, we don't have 32 great quarterbacks. There's always going to be some teams. Seattle may be one of those teams. I don't Cleveland. I guess let's really quickly talk about. We don't. We obviously don't have any clarity about the Sean Watson. I don't think anybody really enjoys talking about the Sean Watson, but it certainly seems plausible he could miss a chunk of the season. He might even miss the whole season. Nobody thought Mayfield and the Browns were going to patch things together. Do you think maybe Cleveland could be a player for Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you think Brissett's going to start most of their games? Can you just give me a really quick takeaway on where you are with the Browns offense right now? Well, that is another fallout of this is the Jimmy G trade partners are dwindling. And it looks likely that he, I think the most likely scenario is he's released. Although I personally think it'd be a totally fine situation to just go in with him as a backup and have depth at a position, especially considering Lance's inexperience and likelihood of getting hurt running the ball so much. But yes, Cleveland could open up if, if Watson, you know, suspended half the year or the whole season, then absolutely that, that would be a possibility because Jacoby Brissett, you know, doesn't really fit with the rest of their timeline because that team wants to win now. So um, yeah, yeah, that, that is a possibility, but but really, there are a few teams uh, eager to get Garoppolo coming off shoulder surgery, and I think the the most likely outcome now in San Francisco went from John Lynch claiming he had two seconds on the on the t- offer table to probably just releasing him because yeah, Baker Mayfield, even with he reaches the plane incentives, the bo- most they can get for that this trade is just a fourth rounder. So clearly, the market's not there for Jimmy G. Let me just close this uh, part of the discussion before we get to our fade secret list. I'm going to list three receivers for you who all got some kind of quarterback upgrade. Not Maybe not a monumental upgrade, but they're playing with, you would think, a better quarterback situation than they had last year. Okay, DJ Moore moves up to Baker Mayfield. We think that's an upgrade. Michael Pittman gets Matt Ryan. And, you know, Carson Wentz was, you know, the stats weren't that bad. But I think Carson Wentz, if you watched him play to play, it just didn't seem like he was the right fit. And the Colts could not wait to move on. From Carson Wentz. Now Wentz goes to Washington where their quarterback play has been so dreadful that maybe Wentz is an upgrade. And again, it's not that we want to draft Wentz so much, but maybe that opens up things for Terry McLaurin. Uh, rank those three guys for me, these three players who got some sort of, at least maybe in theory on paper, a plausible quarterback upgrade. DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin. How do they hash out on the Dalton Del Don cheat sheet? McLaurin lasts for me just because I still worry about Wentz. Love the player, Scary Terry, one of the 10 best real-life receivers, but def- a distant third for me here. Uh, DJ Moore, man, you just love the, the targets. Hopefully he finally gets some red zone some, some red zone looks as well. But Michael Pittman is the clear number one for me. I'm, I'm, I have him grossly, re- aggressively ranked, I mean, ahead of Tyreek Hill right now. I mean, I, I'm all in on him. I think he's going to break out. I think he's going to be a top five fantasy wideout this year. Love, love the reports from from Matt Ryan, but I just think Pittman is the uh, is is a real nice fit there, and I'm I'm in on him. We'll we'll see, we'll see. But w- w- what about you, P? Now, yeah, I think I would have more above Pittman, but I'm the problem with Pittman is that 
I, I like all the things that you listed. You know, he checks so many boxes and I just feel like he's going to be the, somebody who is going to be an elbowing contest when you get into the draft. It's like Gabe Davis, right? It's like, I'd love to draft Gabe Davis, but I feel like everybody in the room wants to draft Gabe Davis. So I'd probably go more Pittman and McLaurin. And oh, it, but DJ Moore is that guy too. I mean, he was everyone's favorite draft. I mean, all the draft, everyone loved DJ Moore before he even got a quarterback. So you're going to be definitely having to elbow people to fight for him too. I, I promise. The thing, I, I'm also hoping for the year where Terry McLaurin is on the Rams or the Chiefs or, nice. you know, just, just some team. He's uh, maybe the Bengals, whatever, um, the Packers. You know, I, I just one year I want to see him on a team where he is um, can be utilized with, with a plus quarterback. And I don't think that's going to be Carson Wentz. I, you just hope that Wentz is better than the the stuff they've been running out. And we never got to see last year. I was really hoping that Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, you know, the player he is, a flawed player, kind of a YOLO player. He'll, he'll throw some to his guys. He'll throw some to the other guys. He got hurt in week one. And and then I honestly, I tracked myself into into um, Heineke for a little bit only, you know, in part because I just, I love Terry McLaurin so much. I know he's a great player, but we all know football, you know, success and failure in football has many parents. It's, it can be the quarterback play. It can be the line play. It can be the offensive coordinator. It can be the shape of the overall team. You know, the defense has even a role in how well the offense plays and, it's just been frustrating to be a, a pro Terry McLaurin guy for the last few years and didn't watch him get sunk by his quarterbacks. I'm afraid that Carson Wentz may sink that battleship again. So I would have him at the lowest of these three. I, I like more, a little bit more than Pittman, but it is close. So there's some guys we, we actually are interested in drafting. We're, we're big Pittman guys, you know, DJ Moore. Let's talk about players we're not going to draft, or at least they're on the early fade list. This is always written in pencil. We change our minds on things. There will be news. There will be injuries. Maybe there'll be more trade fallout. Who knows? We've already had an unbelievable offseason when it comes to player movement. Dalton, I'll let you go first. This is a secret list. I have not seen who you're going to cook up. You know, who are the guys? Who are the, who are the, uh, the Glengarry Glen Ross leads that you're throwing at us? Give us a buzzy name that you don't want to draft right now. So normally I would be accused of being a homer for the Niners, but um, I just can't get on board with Debo Samuel as mm. a top 15 fantasy pick this yeah. year. His uh, ECR and fantasy pros among the expert consensus rankers is the wide receiver for um, I love Debo. What he did last year was special, but over the first eight games, it was 10.1 targets, uh, 0.8 carries. The second half, it was just getting five targets and then six and a half carries. He produced a similar amount of fantasy points, but it, the expected PPR fantasy points is really f is off on that second half. You you want the targets uh, than you do. Yes, the carries are nice, and we're not even factoring in the, the possibility of him causing an injury, taking all that contact. He had Jones fracture surgery. But my big issue with, with, with Debo Samuel is a guy who was going in the mid-rounds last year for a reason. Now he has an entirely different quarterback throwing it to, to him. Trey Lance, Trey Lance has worked with Brandon Ayuk all offseason, where Debo has been holding out and worried about a trade. I mean, there's got to be something to that. I mean, uh, I, I I think the fact that there's an entirely new quarterback uh, th that they drafted Ty Davis Price to in the third round in a concession to give him fewer carries. So now the counter could be maybe that result in the first half with the more targets. Uh, but to me, that the uncertainty with the quarterback change, Brandon Ayuk, everyone was drafting him. Ahead. Most people were drafting ahead of Debo last year for a reason. And Ayuk really did come on in the second half last year. I know that was a mistake, but he's the guy working out with Trey Lance right now. Uh, by the way, last year during the disappointing season, Brandon Ayuk had 10 end zone targets. Debo Samuel had two. Two end zone targets compared to 10 for Ayuk. So now a new quarterback getting drafted in the top 15 in NFFC leagues right now. Debo had an extensive injury history. So to me, I'm staying away from him. 
Yeah, Debo was on my list. I wasn't sure if I was going to put him into this conversation, so I'm glad you mentioned him. And I, I do it very reluctantly because he's one of my favorite players. But I think the totally. the path of what he did last year is an unsustainable business model. It's not. I, I don't think they came up with a new way to handle a receiver. I don't think they want to run him anywhere near as much as they did last year. And I, I'll just sign off on everything you said, the quarterback uncertainty. And, uh, man, the fact that you have to pay – what Debo did last year is being priced in, you know, he's going in the top 20 of every draft. He's basically a consensus second round pick. And it just makes me nervous. Now, Grant, I said earlier, you're going to get uncomfortable. I, I don't know, see a lot of second round picks that really make me sleep well at night. So, you know, the, the player I take instead of Debo is probably going to be somebody people can shoot holes into. But I agree with you that Samuel is right now is a hard ticket for me to write. Let me give you another second round receiver who I'm out on. Okay. Tyree Hill just kind of stepped onto the back nine. I'm not saying he's like near the end of his career, but I mean, he's not, he's probably had his best season he's ever going to have. Patrick Mahomes is an MVP candidate year over year. Andy Reid is probably going to the Hall of Fame as an offensive designer and head coach. I don't think we're going to say anything like that about Tua, anything like that about the Miami infrastructure. And I think this is going to be a team that's going to be balanced on offense. And Jalen Waddle's probably going to catch 100 balls again. I, I think Tyree Kill about week three or week four is going to be like what you know. And then look, these guys have really really short windows for careers. They they need to do what they can do to maximize their earning power. I don't have any problem with that. But I think a, like a month in the season, it's going to be like maybe an Odell Beckham situation where it's going to be like, man, I was a lot happier somewhere else. Why did I want? And great, not that Beckham had the greatest setup in New York, but I mean, it's it, we really saw very quickly that Beckham and Cleveland was a, a square peg, a round hole. I think Tyree Kill is going to be saying and maybe even popping off after a month like, man, I, I miss the Chiefs. I miss Patrick Mahomes. I was why I, I could have scored five touchdowns last week and, you know, four times two, I didn't even throw the ball. And one time he did, it was, you know, airmailed over my head or something. I just don't like the fit here. The ADP is still expectant. I'm not going to be in on Tyree Kill in 2022. I am sure we'll disagree on some, but I'm totally with you here. A, a new team, Jalen Waddle demanded so many targets as a rookie who knows about Tua, who's also been injury prone. Uh, I, I said earlier, I actually have Michael Pittman ranked ahead of him. I have Mike Evans ranked ahead of him too. So Tyreek Hill will be on zero of my fantasy teams based on, on that. <laughs> I'm rooting for McDaniel there in Miami too. I, it seems like they're putting together a, a real fun squad, but yeah, I'm skeptical that he's going to keep his production leaving leaving Pat Mahomes. My, uh, my second guy I am avoiding is Derek Henry. Love the big dog. big dog. Such a fun, such a fun player. Um, but the decline was actually starting before, you know, now he's age 28 coming off a broken foot. But uh, Football Outsiders has this column of broken uh, missed tackle percentage. And uh, over the last five years, it went from 23%, 23%, 22% to 15% and then 9% last year before the injury. Um, Adam Koffler has a, a great tweet in wins the last three years. He's averaging 25 PPR points in losses. He's averaging 13 PPR points. And the Titans are now their over unders basically to be a 500 team. So there are, there are multiple reasons here to 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 worry. A, a guy is going to take cost you a top 10 pick. Um, I mean, I, in PPR leagues, I could be talked into DeAndre Swift or, or Aaron Jones, even over him, frankly, and, and definitely will, will not will t- not take that draft pick. So Derrick Henry. Love the big dog, and I hope I'm wrong, but coming off a you know, major foot injury, age 28, his career workload isn't as crazy as others, you know, his, his age, but it's certainly high recently, um, and given the fact that he's just, you know, an uncertainty in the passing game, it's probably, it's a stay away for me for Henry. Plus a lot of work in high school and college, too, if you want to look at that attrition. You mentioned Aaron Jones. He's actually one of the few second-round picks who actually I feel good about. I hope I get a lot of Aaron Jones this year, but 
I'm with you on the big dog. I've been saying on this podcast a few times, and I'm sure this is going to be a tweet that people are going to say during the season when Tennessee's like two and four or something. They're going to be like, remember when the Titans were the AFC's number one seed last year? It just, or remember, like, remember when Arizona was the last undefeated team in the NFL last year? It just NFL seasons age like dog years. It's like, it's like seven years, it feels like, between 12 month calendar. But I'd rather be proactive in a year early than a year late with running backs. And I, I had a tweet thread about a month or two ago about just how many running backs really lose it right around when that second contract kicks in. And there's a very talented group. I, some people have said, I think it was the 2017 running back class might have been the best in history. And a lot of these guys are now right around their age 27, age 28 seasons. And that's when things can really go off the rails. You know, McCaffrey's in that general area. And I, I don't remember exactly who was in which class, but we're talking about guys like McCaffrey, Barkley, Henry, Alvin Kamara. I'm nervous to draft any of them. I'm not proactively going after any of them. I may eventually end up with some of them. My first round strategy for the most part, and I think you agree on this, is like, get me that Justin Jefferson stock. Get me that Jamar Chase stock. I'll take Cup if it makes sense. Of course, if I had the one pick, I'll, I'll smash Taylor right away with, you know, I'll take three seconds on that choice, depending on how my manual dexterity is that day. But I'm going to take a lot of receivers in the first round. I'm going to be avoiding a lot of guys like Henry. I, I think everything you outlined makes sense. We know for whatever reason, they've never wanted to throw the ball to him much. And this offense looks like it could be in trouble. It looks like a very ordinary team. I think the Colts are going to clinch this division. Oh, early. Yeah. I think they're run yeah. away with it. And, um, you know, Derek Henry, again, I, I hope I'm wrong because he's one of the most fun players to watch. He doesn't shy away from any contact. It feels like he wants to take on, he's got a little bit of Marshawn Lynch in him, but maybe even more explosiveness than even Lynch had. It's football's more fun when, when Derrick Henry is, is on the field. And even last year, he misses half the season. He was still running back 14, which is mind-blowing. But the Titans are just, everything's headed in the wrong direction with this team. I, I actually want to fade pretty much everything on Tennessee right now. Yep, yep, yep. Agreed, agreed. What about your next guy, Pino? Well, I, I kind of teased it a little bit, and um, I'll go with the whole team. I'm just out on the Saints. Kamara... Efficiency really dipped last year. Now, you know, look at what's happened with the Saints. They lose Breeze last year. This year, they lose Sean Payton. Kamara's efficiency dipped. There could be a suspension there. I don't buy. I know Jameis Winston was a different Jameis Winston last year. He was a mistake avoiding Jameis Winston. I, I kind of missed the YOLO Jam, Jameis Winston, the, you know, the, the 30 for 30 season he had in Tampa Bay where he ended it with the pick six to get the 30th interception in, in overtime. And what a, what a fun year that was. And, you know, Evans went crazy and Godwin went crazy. It was just a really fun year. But I don't want to draft Michael Thomas. I don't know how soon I can expect a rookie receiver to pop or Jarvis Landry on a new team to pop. Receivers changing teams can be kind of tricky. I'm on the, I actually love the defense. I, they may have the, the best secondary in the league and they actually have playmakers on all three levels. We saw them take away Tom Brady's MVP with that shutout on Sunday night football last year, which pretty much swung the MVP from Brady to Rogers. I still wish they could have given it to Cooper cup, but it's not the way MVPs work in the NFL, but I don't want the saints, man. I don't want any of them. I've seen Kamara. It, there's different rooms. will have different ideas. I've been in some drafts where he's gone in the second round. I think that's ludicrous. I, I have not been in a draft yet where Kamara has fallen deep enough for me to even consider him. I, I almost feel like he's not on my draft board right now. Yeah, he might get suspended six games. So I'll, I'm with you on, on mostly here, but I'll push back with Chris Olave. I think the rookie receiver might end up being putting up some silly numbers like we've seen recent rookie receivers. I'm not a college guy. I just think the situation 
may may prove pretty good here. I mean, there's no tight end that's going to get any targets. He said Kamara could be out. Uh, Winston, I was some concerned about him still limping, but he just recently shed his knee brace. So apparently he's good to go. And Michael Thomas, the world's worst ankle injury, is still recovering from. So yeah, I, I would push back a little with the Lave there. Um, but otherwise, yeah, that's a yeah, obviously the coaching change too. So um, uh, I could see uh, that yeah, Kamara's getting drafted way too aggressively. Um, all right, I'll give you my final. Well, yeah, we're going to do one more. I was going to say Joe Mixon. I think he's getting drafted a little too high based on how often he comes out on third downs. I think Chris Evans is going to be the guy there. But I'm going to say A.J. Brown, another player I love in real life. But fantasy-wise, I think his ADP is just simply too high. I don't, ha- I don't have him as a top 15 receiver. He's simply always going to miss a handful of games with how, how physical he plays. He's joining an entirely new team with the target competition is going to be greater than it was in Tennessee. Uh, D- Devontae Smith was, was pretty impressive as a rookie. Um, there's obviously Dallas Goddard there. And it's a team that may be one of the most run-heavy teams in football with, with Jalen Hurts there. So A.J. Brown, love the real-life player. But in fantasy, um, he's just too rich for me. His ECR is, is, is in the top 10 fantasy whiteouts right now. No thanks. You get out of your P and bingo card. This is where I say that I think this offense would be more effective in the passing game if Gardner Minshew played and not Jalen Hurts. Hurts was a great fantasy quarterback last year, but wasn't a great passer. And then you have a, a receiver on a new team with a quarterback. I'm still not sure about, as you said, competition for the ball. I think A.J. Brown is an easy fade. And again, what, one of my favorite players. I mean, you know, that draft which produced Brown, it produced Metcalf, it produced Terry McLaurin. I'm not going to mention any of the receivers who went in front of those guys. You know who they are. Again, it's the the bingo card thing. But yeah, A.J. Brown is a pretty easy fade for me, and he's been one of my favorite players since the moment he came into the league. And you know, it's funny, for Tennessee, I was always waiting for them to say, let's just dump a a bucket of targets on these guys. I mean, he's had these monster games with eight targets, and he used to drive me crazy, but he's not going to get heavily targeted. I mean, he'll get targets, but he's not going to get like 13, 14, 15 target games in Philadelphia. I think he'll have a hard time justifying where he's going. Uh, the last name I'll give you, I, I, I'm going to also give you some also receiving votes of some lesser names. I, you know, Cordero Patterson, I think, is an unsustainable business model. I'm not going after Hunter Henry, who was all touchdown deodorant last year, but they're, they're later round picks. I think Aaron Rodgers without uh, Devonte Adams is an easy fade, but whatever. I mean, nobody, you're never stuck a quarterback. There should be plenty of quarterbacks you like, and whenever you dip your toes in the pool, you'll find somebody good. So those are kind of the lower hanging fruit for fades. But here's a fade. Uh, the number one or number two tight end on everybody's board is Travis Kelsey. Some people may have Mark Andrews first. And much like I think Tyreek Hill's going to struggle without Mahomes and Reed, I think Travis Kelsey. We know tight ends can a lot of times age well, although Kelsey's had a lot of attrition in his career. But now he gets into a situation where, as great as Kelsey is, every team that defended the Kansas City Chiefs over the last few years, when they get off the bus, it was like, well, how do we make sure Tyreek Hill doesn't score an 80-yard touchdown in every play? That was the main concern. And if they had to default to, okay, we're going to get shredded by Kelsey, he's going to go nine for 128 and two, we'll have to live with that. We can't let Tyreek Hill just kill us on one play. That's gone now. I mean, you know, MVS isn't a bad player, and Juju's not a bad player, and maybe McCole Hartman is a bad player. I, I don't know. They drafted Sky Moore. We'll, we'll see what happens. I think Travis Kelsey is going to be a mild disappointment. I, I would never. He's just he's a walking Hall of Famer. He's one of the three or four best tight ends in, in NFL history. I think Gronk is the best tight end in the fantasy era, just overall, including the blocking and all that. But Kelsey's not far behind. You can decide where he fits in with him and Tony Gonzalez and stuff like that. But the other thing with Kelsey 
is where he goes. When I, if I were to take Kelsey or the teams I see in the drafts that I'm in that take Kelsey, I just don't like the shape of those builds. That means you're a, a running back or a receiver behind and you're playing catch up at those positions and they get thin really quickly. Now, granted, if you don't draft Kelsey or Andrews, you're going to, your tight end is going to have much less upside than those guys. And you have to live with that. But uh, I'm not in the Travis Kelsey business this year. He actually makes me very nervous. I'm not taking a 32-year-old tight end in the top 15 either. I agree with you, uh, Pino. I want to. I thought of someone else that I have to, to mention here sure. because Cortland Sutton is a wide receiver 20. And I, I saw a tweet recently in some best ball formats, his ADP's top 15. And I get it. Russell Wilson was was balling before the injury last year, getting like 9.1 YPA. Doesn't even run much anymore. It's part of the reason Seattle got rid of him, which is great for the receivers. But let me throw just a few stats here. In the 10 games that Judy and Patrick and Sutton played together, Sutton had 3.8 targets per game. His yards per route run when Judy was on the field last year was less than 0.48. I mean, these numbers are just, he was unusable for a long stretch last year. 83% of Sutton's fantasy points came with Judy off the field. Uh, Judy's healthy now this year. There, there's also Tim Patrick. There's Albert O at tight end. There's two good running backs. I mean, you're drafting Sutton as a top 15 wideout with all that competition and so many unknowns. That to me just seems a bit one of the most aggressive, uh, most egregious uh, ADPs right now. I, I will say it seems to me Cortland Sutton, and I get the upside for sure. But man, that's a lot of uh, a lot of unknowns. I think you make a very compelling case. I, I apologize for all the agreement here. I I'll try to disagree with when we talk about the Jaguars. I'll, I'll just assume that you're wrong on everything, and we can mm-hmm. fight or something, have a faux argument. But the thing with Sutton, the way I would look at it, and, and again, I'm, my conclusion is going to be very similar to yours. Russell Wilson goes to Denver. So the question is, you know, who does he click with? Who does his favorite receiver become? If there is a favorite receiver, maybe he spreads it around. And I think the industry has gone from, my feeling is I don't know who it is. And I see why it could be Sutton. I see why it could be Judy. I think Tim Patrick is one of these guys. I know this is kind of a crutch a little bit. I think he's a great best ball pick. I don't know if he'll be reliable enough to be playable in in a managed league where you have to call the shot because he'll have some quiet games. But I could still see Tim Patrick scoring seven to nine touchdowns. You know, Albert O's got an interesting case. They have two talented running backs. I don't know how much Gordon is going to get in the way of the Williams breakout that we all want to have happen. I'm sure we'll have a lot of discussions about that. But there are people in the industry, and maybe they'll be right, okay? Because when we always talk about if you can go into a nebulous situation and pull out the winning card, like you know Leonard Fournette last year, that that's the type of thing that can really swing a league. I, I'm hesitant to use the phrase league winner. I think we overuse it. But again, if you looked at San Francisco and said, you know what, Debo's better than Ayuk this year, or if you looked at the Rams and said, yeah, you know Woods is good, but give me Cooper Cup. These are decisions that could have swung leagues. I don't see the degree of certainty that the the market seems to think that Cortland Sutton is Russell Wilson's guy. I, I just. Maybe he will be. I don't know. And then Sutton was coming off an injury. And a lot of times with injuries, it's that second season where they really pop. I'm, that's not a leap of faith I'm willing to make to the point where if the market is going to price Judy cheaper or Tim Patrick really a lot cheaper or Albert O is in, in a nice pocket, I might just say, okay, somebody in my league wants to be the hipster with Cortland Sutton. I'll pass on him. I'm not a hipster pick guy. I'm probably not going to have a lot of Gabriel Davis, who I think is great, but he's just going at a round where he needs to be great. I think Cortland Sutton has been pushed up like he's a sure thing right now, and I, I don't think he's a sure thing. I think he's a guy in a muddled situation. I think Russell Wilson's going to be good. I think the divorce happened at a right time. I think much like the way Brady won the breakup with the Buccaneers, I think Russell Wilson's going to win the breakup with the Seahawks. I think he's going to smash them on opening night on Monday night too, by the way. 
Uh, I got to look at what that line is and maybe get some money down early before some of it swings. I I just can't see Russell Wilson losing that game just the way he's wired. But I don't know what's made people so convinced that Cortland Sutton is the alpha here. I think he could be, but I'm not sure of that at all. Judy suffered a high ankle sprain literally week one. I mean, that affects affected the rest of his season as well. And I will I will counter and say Russell Wilson is always among the league leaders with Tom Brady and end zone targets. So he's definitely a great quarterback to have for fantasy receivers. But man, that's just uh, a lot of assumptions there given the, so many so many unknowns. And you just made me think of the schedule, uh, P&L. I'm pretty sure, I don't think it's fake news. I'm pretty sure, do the Browns face the Panthers week one? That's that's too that's pretty cool if that's if that's I'm sorry case I missed Mayfield. that. Well, that's fantastic. I think, I think it is. Yeah, I think he faces them right right away. But uh, there should anyway, be a rule. Yeah, there should be a rule. Anytime a quarterback changes teams, like the Colts and, and Commanders, I hate that Commanders name, but it's I, I thought football team was great. I would have stuck with that. WFT. It seems to fit them. Yeah, but, Browns yeah. at Carolina, Week One, pretty good. That's pretty fantastic. Good. Yeah, we yeah. need that. We we need stuff like that. You know, the NFL should work whenever Jimmy Garoppolo is released and you know whatever team he signs with, even if it's a CFL team or. You know, um, I don't know, a USFL team, they should play the 49ers. You know, we need that. America oh, demands sure. that, Dalton. And you know what America demands? This is, you know, you've waited. You you got through the Baker Mayfield stuff. You got through our secret list and our fades. You came here for Jacksonville Jaguar talk. Let's let's give the people what they want. And let's talk about the subtractions. And, you know, I, well, whatever. DJ Chark is in Detroit. David Austin's gone. James O'Shaughnessy is gone. But here's a team. Here's a case. Right. This could be another Adam Gase thing where it's like surviving Urban Meyer, just one of the worst. He may go down as the worst hire in NFL history. He had a, a mindset that worked in, in college. It didn't work in the pros. He, he did just a lot of strange things. I mean, who, what coach literally kicks one of his one of his special teams players? He kicks his kicker. Who does that? The whole situation in the bar. I mean, look, Urban Meyer was a joke. It didn't work out and it set back. Trevor Lawrence. I, I can't believe that every scout was wrong on Trevor Lawrence. So uh, Travis Etienne, of course, got hurt before last season. He's presumably healthy. James Robinson got hurt at the end of last season. There's a lot of moving parts here. Let's start with the backfield. Okay, James Robinson was really good two years ago as a rookie, was one of those guys people picked up right before the season, maybe the first week of fab, and it was one of the most important pickups, maybe the most important pickup of two years ago. And then last year, he was a guy who was good, but a lot of times he couldn't get on the field. The team wasn't doing so hot. He did have the backfield pretty much to himself because ETN got hurt. But now it's ETN who's had a full season, just about a full season, a full calendar year by the time the season starts to rehab. Robinson got hurt late. How are you playing the Jacksonville Jaguar backfield as we look at it right now? I'm all in on ETN. have him ranked very aggressively. Robinson could absolutely get his in the second half, but he may open the season on the pup list. Uh, ETN's a special prospect. Um, he looks healthy. Um, so, yeah, I, I love backs with targets, and he's going to get a lot of targets. And, and Lawrence, as we're going to talk about, is probably not nearly as bad as he appeared last year. So, yeah, I have ETN ranked aggressively as my running back 17 right now. His ECR is the running back 24. Um, I have him back-to-back with Kamara, and I, I, I would have a hard time if I had a PPR choice right now who, who I'd rather have. I think I'd rather have ETN. I, again, I get a re-overhaul and, and re-rank a lot of these guys. But with the story of Robinson's recovery being deliberate, I just don't see how they're going to rush him back. And remember, too, ETN and Lawrence do have history. I mean, they played together. That That's yeah. something. You know, we, we think of it more with a quarterback and a receiver, quarterback and a tight end. But the fact that they threw together some through so many passes together in their times at Clemson means something to me. So I think your optimism with ETN is certainly validated. I, I talked about the deletions from the roster. I, I should quickly mention what's been added. Doug Peterson's the new head coach. 
And the Jags threw some money around, man. They they paid a lot of money to Christian Kirk. They paid more money than I think anybody thought Zay Jones was going to get. They brought Evan Ingram over, a talented but often injured tight end from the Giants. And they added Brandon Scherf, uh, offensive guard. Just never hurts to get another offensive piece to help your franchise quarterback. I think Kirk is actually somebody I'm warming up to only because I think when he signed, this is a, a problem you see in fantasy sometimes. I remember when Ryan Howard in fantasy baseball is going back a decade or so, he signed this gigantic contract. And it was one of these things where, you know, people could go on fan graphs and be like, Oh man, you know, Howard isn't even the best infielder on the team. And you know, Chase Otley's the best player on this team. And Jimmy Rollins is more valuable than, than Howard. And he doesn't run. He's not going to age well and all this stuff. But we don't have to pay the contract. We we don't have. We're not responsible, you know. I, and Kirk and I realize a lot of contracts in the NFL can be. There's the silly money. There's what the contract could be at its max. A lot of times that money doesn't come to fruition. So you have to kind of see the contract for what it is. The fact that Christian Kirk probably get overpaid, or at least if he hits the, you know, if he hits the max of this contract, it may not look right doesn't mean he can't be a good player. I know receivers changing teams can be nervous, but I've actually found myself willing to draft Christian Kirk in a few leagues. I think he's actually set up for success here in part because there's just not much much to compete with on this receiver tree. And I still think Trevor Lawrence has a chance to be a pretty good player. I'm I'm giving him a total mulligan for the Urban Meyer experience. Uh, Do you share my optimism on Christian Kirk? Yeah, I think there's something to following the money and possibly targets uh, when it comes to receivers and new contracts. So I, I have no pushback there. I don't have a strong take at the receivers. I do have a, my, my biggest take with Jacksonville is that I want ETN and I want to avoid Evan Ingram. I understand that he has these great workout metrics, but man, he was, yes, he wasn't at the great quarterback, but he was doing nothing with 100 plus targets. So, and Dan Arnold is actually is not no one. So I, I want nothing to do with that tight end situation there and more of a wait and see approach at the wide receiver position. Marvin Jones, uh, looking at some stats uh, before we recorded here, surprised me. He had the third most end zone targets among all receivers last year. So apparently Trevor Lawrence likes to throw the ball in the end zone as well. And that's great news for whoever receiver emerges as his number one guy this year. And I'd rather a a Christian Kirk uh, than than say Marvin Jones. And um, LaVisca Chenault was, I mean, just laughably looking back at it, being pushed up into round six in NFFC main events uh, right before the season last year. And now he's just a complete, complete afterthought. Um, but yeah, the wide receiver position, Jacksonville is just more of a wait and see approach for me. I could see Zay, Zay Jones put up some really interesting peripheral numbers. He could emerge as this real nice deep threat, more of a, I guess, best ball guy. But um, yeah, Christian Kirk is absolutely the guy. If you were to give me a receiver on Jacksonville, he was the guy I would want. So we'll go traffic lights. Uh, I'm going to give you all these receivers. By the way, Marvin Jones, another guy. He's been on so many bad teams in his career. Just once I'd love to see him with Andy Reid or see him with Aaron Rodgers or see him with Sean McVay. Um, instead, he's, you know, Lions, Jaguars, Bengals, when they weren't very good. He's always been a pro I liked. Unfortunately, he's just really close to that age where you just worry about the cliff. So if I were to say traffic light, green light, red light, yellow light, uh, Christian Kirk, what color are you going there? Yeah, yellow. I'm taking a more of a wait and see approach. Marvin Jones. Yellow. More red at his age and yeah, red. Say Zay Jones sounds like a yellow, maybe best ball, yellow. something like that. Yeah, yeah, more yellow. Like I said, I don't have a great, strong take on these on these Jacksonville receivers because I, I understand that, that Trevor Lawrence could make a gigantic leap year two and with that with the new coaching staff. But to me, there's just, we're all guessing, I mean, here. But I, I like your idea, the money, and Kirk looks like the number one guy, so that's why I'm saying him. But but man, I don't have any strong takes here among the among these. Yeah, group. I shade towards green with Kirk only because I think the market is, I think they're overreacting to the contract and you're getting a nice price on him. It's not that... 
I'm going in here thinking, I got to get Kirk, got to get Kirk. Please don't snipe me on Kirk. It's more like I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm getting the price I like on Kirk. So he's a combination green, yellow, but closer to green. I guess I'm probably yellow on Marvin. Uh, certainly red on Chenault. I, I just don't think they, he's just one of these guys. And maybe he's a Corderell Patterson where like five years from now, he'll be on his fourth team and, and somebody will unlock him. You talked about Evan Ingram. Came into the league, was really good right away. And, and just since then, he's been hurt. He's been frustrating. There is a history of Doug Peterson getting productive tight ends, but I think sometimes we, that stuff's misleading. I mean, Peterson's been with a lot of talented tight ends. You know, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And, and maybe it's just, he, I think the best coaches go talent to scheme, not scheme to talent. So I don't think I'm going to talk myself into Evan Ingram. Talk about why he's somebody you're not interested in drafting. Just because we've seen him fail constantly, if not injury, then just lack of production. His yards per target among the worst in, in football. I, I would just take, uh, when you're at the flyer, you know, the what his ECR is like around tight end 20 area. I would personally just take a stab at, at flyers like Brevin Jordan on Houston, Mo Ali Cox on, on the Colts now with no uh, Doyle there. Guys like that is, is uh, maybe not in Joku now with maybe no Watson, but uh, based on where he's ranked, where he's going and where I have him ranked, Evan Ingram's going to be on none of my teams. Uh, Dan Arnold received a nice target share after they traded for him last year, and he st- remains on the team as well. So I, I get that he, he got the contract, but Evan Ingram, uh, I don't know. I'm just looking elsewhere. We got to talk about Trevor Lawrence. Uh, can you see him being a DFS play for you in a league, say a super flex format or a two quarterback format? Because like nobody's trying to draft Trevor Lawrence to be their starter, but what's his upside? I mean, could we be end of the year talking about, oh, wow, look at Trevor Lawrence. He's quarterback nine, he's quarterback 10. Or is that, you know, kind of crazy talk? Where does he fit in? And this is, again, this is for the super flex crew. Uh, or, or even if you're in a league, you know, in a lot of standard leagues where you start one, a lot of leagues will still draft two quarterbacks. And that second quarterback is kind of your let your hair down, try to find lightning in a bottle. You, you, you found Lamar Jackson the right year. You found Kyler Murray the right year. Stuff like that. Some people maybe think, you know, Daniel Jones might be a guy like that. Maybe Trey Lance is a guy like that. Is Trevor Lawrence an interesting backup with upside with you? Or are you just more like, eh, you know, the Jaguars, I'll believe it when I see it. Oh, he's super interesting backed up with, with upside. But having said that, you, you can look at this a couple ways. One, he was really bad on the field last year. 30th in completion percentage over expectation. 31st in our tar- on target percentage. 31st in YPA. Um, he, he actually did not even, his production in college didn't exactly match his, uh, you know, his, his hype either. Having said that he's a generational prospect who just dealt with maybe a historically bad coaching staff, uh, that might even be a good one now with Doug Peterson. They, they, they definitely, uh, invested in some wide receivers for him. And there was some video of him last year making some incredible plays. So, um, I, I, I'm more of just. I'm going to take a wait and see approach and I can see this going either way. And I'm going to treat him as a backup with upside, but I get why some people out there are like, Oh, he's the quarterback to target throw last year completely uh, away. And he has even more than top 10 upside because uh, he can run too. So for fantasy, so I could see it going either ways, but honestly he was pretty, pretty dreadful last year. And I'm going to likely allow others to, to take that gamble in super flex leagues is probably where I stand with him. I, I mean, Davis Mills, I feel like was, was, quite impressive and you can get him for cheaper so does that answer it i mean where do you stand with no i like i'm very on the fence i like the davis mills call let me ask you this we're in the middle of best ball season and that's the format where you have to draft at least two quarterbacks and if you don't invest in great quarterbacks you might even draft three of them who are some of the guys you know whether it's mills what you know who, who are some of the quarterbacks after like quarterback 15 who you find you're gravitating to in like a best ball format Definitely Daniel Jones. Love the coaching upgrade there. And he runs. Um, and it's it's, uh, it's Davis Mills. He's just so, so late. 
Um, I think Nico Collins could emerge. Pep Hamilton, the QB coach there. I think I have Mills ranked one spot ahead of Lawrence and, and ECR. They're like 10 away from me, the other. So that's why I'll end up with Mills and, and not so much Lawrence. So um, that, that is absolutely one of, one of my guys is, is, is Detective Davis Mills later. And, and Zach Wilson, can I just say, I know you're a, I want to tell you this, a Selfino guy. I'm worried about him. I, I love all the weapons there. And I know he can run, but man, talk about being dreadful looking at the numbers. And even uh, Mike White was so much better replacing him. Uh, the rookies and my guy, Trey Lance, last year, rookie quarterbacks, just going to be fascinating to see what happens in year two because they've been put in such good situations. I mean, I want to draft Elijah Moore so high, but I'm worried about Zach Wilson. So do you have any thoughts on just in general, these, these, these rookie quarterbacks entering year two? Because they're really a fascinating group. Yeah, that's. That, I mean, that could have been a podcast on its own, and maybe it will be. I, I hope when we do the Houston Texans preview, we, we have you back so you can talk Davis Mills, who I thought was one, one of the most unheralded stories, right? I mean, the, the story last year was like, oh, my God, look at Lawrence gets submarined by Urban Meyer. And, oh, oh my God, Trey Lance cannot, can't get on the field. No, oh my God, the, the Bears aren't don't know what they're doing with Justin Fields. And we knew Nagy was pretty much a lame duck coach for the second half of the year, maybe the entire season. And oh, Mac Jones, he's good, but he's like vanilla good. You know, he, there's really nothing special about his game. He just, you know, he was competent, kind of a game manager. Davis Mills was good on a bad team, on a team where he was set up to fail. And man, he was underdrafted. I, there's talk. You never know if this stuff is true or not, but there's talk that the Patriots, if they didn't get Mac Jones, would have taken Davis Mills. I think Davis Mills can have a long, successful you know, floor as Ryan Fitzpatrick might be a little bit better. I'm a Davis Mills guy. Top 10 fantasy QB over the final five games last year at home all season last year in 218 pass attempts. Davis Mills, 109.6 QB rating, 12 to 1 TD to INT ratio, 7.9 YPA, nearly 8 YPA in 220 attempts at home. I think for a rookie, I mean, he wasn't even expected to start right away. So um, I think he's quite interesting. What about your guy, Mac Jones, who supposedly got way better shape this offseason and he's getting a ton of ton of buzz as well. I mean, he, this, again, he's, he's interesting, too, with, you know, the Belichick uh, coaching there as well. Well, I like Mac because he won't get benched and I think he'll be solid. I just don't think he has any upside. Run, uh, you know, he's not going to run, and and they don't have. There's nobody on this offense. They have a bu- they have a bunch of like number. They have a bunch of like B and B minus and C plus receivers. They don't have that alpha. They don't have a guy who, oh, he just threw this pass in the flat, and this receiver, you know, stiff armed somebody and ran seventy eight yards with it. There's no AJ Brown. There's no DK Metcalf. You know, you, you know where I'm going with this. I mean, Kendrick Bourne is a nice player, and and. Jacoby Myers is a nice player and, and Hunter Henry is a, you know, is a capable player and the running backs are good. I don't mind. There's certain types of formats. Again, best ball lends itself to this. If I'm just looking to have some, I'm trying to hit a single. I just want a quarterback who's going to play every game and, and give me a playable score a few different weeks of season. I think Mac Jones makes sense in like that kind of best ball format where you're just looking for a supplemental guy. But when you're drafting in a seasonal league, especially in a one quarterback league, you want a guy who can pop, who can have some upside. And I just don't see it with Mac Jones. Let me ask you really quick before we get out of here. Justin Fields is athletic. He was a first round pick. He obviously was really good at Ohio State, but he's been set up so poorly. The coaching staff was a joke last year. The Bears have invested so little in the offense and so little in the skill talent. They obviously lost Allen Robinson. Maybe that wasn't a big deal because Robinson didn't want to be there anyway. It just seemed like they didn't know how to use him. Can Justin Fields, through athleticism and and second-year improvement, can he beat what looks like a bad situation in the Chicago offense? 
Yeah, I think he can just because fantasy, the cheat code is running and he's so good at it. Uh, man, that play against the Niners last year, that high, one of the highlights of the season, his touchdown run. I have him ranked as a top 15 fantasy QB, yes, because of the floor, the, 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 the running, the upgrade in coaching. I mean, it simply can't be anything but an upgrade. So, yeah, I, I like field. I could have named him. Absolutely. I actually have him higher than the other ones I named. But, yeah, he's, he's another guy after the, the top 12. Absolutely. I'd be happy, happy with, with fields there. But, um, not, you know what? One, one fat, fun fact I forgot to mention when we're talking when we wrap up our Jacksonville talk is, I believe they've won a playoff game uh, more recently than the Steelers, which is just wild because I, I would not have guessed that. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, they really had New England dead buried in the AFC I forgot, Championship Yeah, I totally game. forgot about all that. Yeah, yeah Brady, yeah. Brady had a terrific fourth quarter, and I think just the moment the Jaguars just couldn't – they couldn't finish off New England. And it's just – you know, I thought it would be a fun exercise. Maybe Dave, Dave, the great Dave Damacek has already done this. One year – one day I'm just going to go through all the championship games and the different conferences – and just imagine what the Super Bowls would have been if the other teams won, you know. So you would have had like the Jet. Like last year, it would have been the the Chiefs would have played the 49ers, um, which I guess we've already seen that. But you know, some years it would have been fun. Like the, G- the Jaguars would have been the Super Bowl, or you know, you would have had years like the Cowboys would have played the Chargers or stuff like that. Um, I don't know, just a, something something to do. Again, I'm sure Damashek's probably done something like that. We got to get him on this show. What a great guest love he would Shaq. be. Yeah, absolutely. great man. Yeah. Much love to Dave Damashek. Much love to. People over at NFL.com. Let's got to do it for our podcast. Let's do a little housekeeping. We want you to get social with us. How about Dalton Del Don on Twitter? How about Yahoo Fantasy on Twitter? How about Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter? And for all your San Diego Padre needs, how about John M as in Mary Gennaro, G-E-N-N-A-R-O? He is our intrepid, fearless, skilled producer, keeping us on the air and sounding great. And uh, if you need to discuss Eric Hosmer, you need to discuss... Uh, my name is Machado. You need to discuss Jorge Alfaro. John Gennaro is your man, 24-7. Go to him with all your Padre needs or any San Diego needs for that matter. You want to talk San Diego Clippers, the, the, the gone San Diego Chargers. Man, do I wish they could get that team back. I want you to follow John M. Gennaro. Next week, I'll be here with Matt Harmon. He's fresh off his honeymoon. We're going to discuss the plucky Detroit Lions, the covering machine Detroit Lions. They didn't win a lot of games, but man, were they money at the window. Until then, for Dalton, for John, for Teddy the dog, I'm Scott, and we are out.